Well, let's pray for the message and for the word and for our hearts, and then we'll dig into the scriptures together. What a great book Hebrews has been for me. I was emailing a friend who is a pastor down in Southern California and just said, Hebrews has changed my life. It really has. I'm seeing Jesus in more glory. I'm understanding the cross more deeply. I'm understanding that I can go to the throne of grace, whatever I need, and he'll meet me every time. So, mm. Let's pray and ask him to meet us again. Lord, come now. Do what only you can do. You know the help I need. Give me the heart you want me to have and the wisdom that I need. And I want to be in sync with your word. Please help me, Lord. And and I pray for each of us that our hearts would be open wide to your word. I pray that you would subdue rebellious wills. I pray that you would melt hearts of stone. I pray that you would pour your healing love into hearts today in an amazing way through your word. So come and do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, to to set the stage for this passage, I want you to imagine that it's 120 degrees outside. It's supposed to be 90 today, but anyway, imagine that it's 120 degrees. Outside, you're there, you're baking, okay? But then imagine that you are standing under a cool waterfall, a refreshing, cleansing, invigorating waterfall. Now that picture is exactly what's true for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done in dying for us on the cross, through faith in him alone, through trusting him, we are under a waterfall of God's grace. Just a waterfall of refreshing, invigorating, cleansing, strengthening grace. I mean, think of, what, of what's coming from this waterfall of grace. All of our sins forgiven by God's grace. Past sins, present sins right now, future sins, all of them forgiven. Grace pouring down upon us. By God's grace, he has clothed you with Jesus' perfect moral righteousness through faith alone so that even though there's still indwelling sin in because we're trusting in Christ when God looks at me when he looks at you he sees perfect moral righteousness he smiles he responds to you in that way grace a waterfall of grace by grace God has adopted you into his family through Christ, what he's done on the cross, God's adopted you. So the, the creator of the universe, the sovereign, loving, all-powerful creator of the universe is your father. You are his daughter. You are his son. He will take care of you. He will guide you. He will provide for you. He will help you. You can run to him with every, any need you have. He will be there smiling, ready to help. He is strong. He's wise. He's powerful. Grace, you're adopted to God's family. God's grace is changing your heart. So you are growing in loving him and in trusting Christ and in fighting against sin and in walking in love towards other people. Grace, changing your heart. God's grace continues to forgive you day by day, week by week, month after month. Year after year, forgiving, 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 a waterfall of grace. 
And by God's grace, he promises to bring you to heaven. The good work he has started in you, he will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. No one can lose their salvation. No one can pluck you out of his hand. You can't even jump out of his hand. He's going to keep you progressing, persevering in faith all the way to the end. So here we are. Because of what Jesus Christ has done through faith in him alone, this waterfall of grace. Just drink it in. Now, this raises a question, though. Does God's grace mean that you can continue in knowing and willful sin? Does it mean you can continue pursuing sin, walking in sin, living in sin, and still go to heaven and still be forgiven? It's a waterfall of grace. Is that what God's grace means? Now, I've heard Bible teachers say, yes, that's what it means. I've heard other Bible teachers say, no, it's not what it means. And what's important isn't which Bible teacher says what. What's important is what? What the Bible says. Okay, that you are studying the scriptures and you know from the scriptures what the Bible teaches about that. We want to be a church where we, we are studying the scriptures together. And today's passage in Hebrews 10 speaks directly to that question. So let's turn. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. Thanks, men, for passing out the Bibles. We want you to have a Bible in front of you so that you can look on with a crucial passage. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. And the Bibles we're passing out, that's page 1007. So go ahead and, and turn there. What does the Bible say? After you have received the knowledge of the truth, can you go on living, walking deliberately in sin and still end up in heaven? This is one of the most sobering passages in the Bible. I need to warn you. Uh, let's look at what God wanted Hebrews to write here. Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse, worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And like I said, this is one of the most frightening passages in the Bible. And the reason 
God had the author of Hebrews write it. And the reason God brought you here this morning to hear it is because God loves you and doesn't want you to experience it. That's why. He loves us. And he brings these warnings because he doesn't want us to experience what the warning is addressing. So here's the question. Who is it that will face God's judgment? And it's right there in verse 26. It's those who, the phrase he uses is, go on sinning deliberately. So what does that mean? What does it mean to go on sinning deliberately? And as I studied verse 26, I saw three clues that helped me. See if these help you. Read the verse again, verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, the first clue I saw is that he uses the word sinning. If we go on sinning uh, deliberately, this is the, the everyday ordinary word for sinning. This covers anything in which there's a clear command of God in his word and we are saying no. Sinning. So he's not talking about just a few extreme sins like murder or committing adultery or maybe, you know, publicly renouncing Christ and becoming Hare Krishna or something like that. He's talking about anything that is a clear disobedience to clear black and white commands in scripture. He's talking about sinning. That's what he's addressing here. That's the first clue. It's that word sinning. It's the ordinary word for sin. Second clue is at the very beginning of verse 26. It's the word for. F-O-R. Now, the New International Version doesn't include that. So if you're using that version, I want to explain. But it's right there in the Greek, okay? It is right there. Very important word. Because what that word shows is that to fully understand verse 26, we need to read a couple verses before it. Because verse 26 is a reason for what he's just said. So read verses 24 and 25 with verse 26 and see how this helps us get a feel for what the author's talking about. Verse 24. We studied these verses last week. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. And we talked last week, he's talking there about love for God. Love for Jesus Christ. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love, and let us consider how to stir up one another to good works. That's serving others. Believers, unbelievers, we should consider how to stir each other up to loving God more, trusting Jesus more, serving others more. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, so we're encouraging each other, love God, serve others, trust Jesus. We're encouraging each other, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So there's verses 24 and 25. We're encouraged, stir each other up to love God, stir each other up to serve others. Don't stop meeting together, encourage each other. Now, why? Verse 26, for, here's the reason, if we go on sinning deliberately, namely, if someone stops loving God, if someone stops serving others, if someone stops gathering together with believers, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So it's the word sinning, which covers sin in general, anything in, in the scriptures where God clearly commands us. But there's three that he particularly has in mind. And that would be one would be if, if we're not loving God. Okay, that's, that's one sin he's dealing with. Where we're not longing for God. We're not seeking him in prayer. We're not meditating on the scriptures. We're not worshiping God. We're loving other things more than God. That would be one of the sins that he's addressing here. 
The second one would be the sin of not serving others. Okay, we're bearing grudges, we're not forgiving, we're being bitter, we're not caring for, we're not not bearing each other's burdens, we're not caring for the orphans and the widows and the poor, we're not caring for unbelievers, we're not sharing the gospel with lost people. Those would all be ways that we would, could, could maybe be sinning by not serving others. And then the sin of neglecting to meet together, not gathering with other believers, not worshiping, God with other believers, not, not opening up the word of God, being taught with other, other believers. So that's what he's talking about here. Now, <clears throat> does that mean, let's raise a question, does that mean that if this last week you just blew off reading God's word, okay, God calls us, meditate on his word day and night, and let's say this last week you just blew off reading the scriptures this last week, does that mean that there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins, the answer is not, not necessarily. Okay, I hope that'll become more clear as we talk. Here, let me explain. There's two very different ways this could go. The answer is not necessarily, and I say that because of the third clue. Notice the exact words he uses in verse 26. If we go on, underline those two words, very important. If we go on sinning deliberately, underline that word deliberately. Very important words, go on and deliberately. Go on means this is something you continue to do without stopping. You're just, you're you're blowing off the word. You're blowing off the word. You're blowing off the word week after week, month after month, year after year. You're just blowing off the word. That's what this would mean, going on. And then the word deliberately means you're not confessing it. You're not repenting of it. You're not battling. You're not saying, Jesus, help me. I want to obey you here. Strengthen me. Brothers, pray for me. That's not what you're doing. You're just going on deliberately sinning. So let's say you you blew off the word this past week, but you owned up to it yesterday. Holy Spirit was stirring your heart. You're saying, forgive me. Ah, I just let my time get away. I was, you know, Facebook and email or TV, there's all this other stuff, work too much. Forgive me, Father. Jesus, help me. I want to I want to be in the word this next week. Help me. Now is that person going on sinning deliberately? No. Okay, I'm a little nervous here. You're not very quick on that one. You understand? That person is not going on sinning deliberately. So one more time. Is that person who owns up, oh, I blew off the word this week. Father, forgive me. Jesus, wash me clean. Change my heart. Show me promises that I can fight the fight of faith by trusting. Brothers, sisters, pray for me. Is that person going on sinning deliberately? Thank you. Not even close. Okay? But if you blew off time in the word this past week and you don't care, and you're not confessing it to the Lord. And you're not battling, fighting the fight of faith. Change my heart, Lord, help me. What can I do? If, if you're not doing that, if you're just going on, blowing off the word day after day, week after week, month after month, then you are going on sinning deliberately. So are, are you going on sinning deliberately? Are you? Don't think about anybody else. Are you going on sinning deliberately? The author wants all of us to be thinking about ourselves here. He includes we. He says, if we go on sinning deliberately. So are you? It's so important. 
Now, what happens to those who go on sinning deliberately? The author tells us, starting in verse 26, look what he says. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So if there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins, then that means that Jesus has not paid for your sins, which means you're going to need to pay for your sins. That's what that means. Every sin is either going to be paid for by Jesus on the cross or by the person being punished forever by God. So the only two options. And if there's no longer sacrifice for sins, then you'll need to be punished for your sins. And to see what that means, look at verse 27. He says there, verse 26, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but, verse 27, a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So all there is in this person's future is fear, fearful expectation of judgment, of the fury very troubling word, fury of fire, God's fury expressed in fire that will consume his adversaries, which means punishing forever. And we see that it's punishing forever because of verses 28 and 29, next two verses. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. That was the Old Testament. That's how it operated. Death, capital punishment. Verse 29. How much worse punishment, worse than dying, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? So if we go on sinning deliberately, then we will face punishment from God worse than physical death, which is because it's eternal punishment from God. And then verses 30 and 31. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, these are both from Deuteronomy. The Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So what will happen if we go on sinning deliberately? The worst thing possible. I have to tell you, it's the worst thing imaginable. It's a fate worse than physical death. It's God's punishment, eternal punishment forever for our sins. Okay, now, <clears throat> at this point, some of you maybe have the wrong idea. You're getting, getting the wrong idea here. And let me, this is very important to not misunderstand what he's saying. Let's say that you are not going on sinning deliberately. Okay, you, you're not. Doesn't mean you're, you're sinless. None of us is. But you're not going on sinning deliberately. You, you're trusting Jesus. You're fighting the fight of faith. You're battling sin. You're battling temptation. You're conquering temptation. And when you don't, you confess it before the Lord and you get back up and you fight again. This is the Christian life. Okay, So you are not going on sinning deliberately. But this passage can make you think wrongly, but it could make you think that if, even if you're not going on sinning deliberately, someday you might, 
Someday you might, which would mean you would not have heaven in your future anymore. You'd be having this fearful expectation of God's judgment, which would suck the hope out of your life now, depower you now, okay? Take all the motivation, all the joy, all the assurance, all the reason you can love your enemies and you can fight against sin. It'd take all that away from you if you fear that you might fall into that and then you would not go to heaven and it would all be lost. That's not what this passage is saying. Very important. Here's what this passage is saying. If today you are trusting Jesus and battling sin, okay, does that mean you're sinless? Thank you, Jan. Okay, others, no, okay? So let's say you are trusting Jesus and battling sin, and you're conquering it, and when you don't, you're confessing it and getting back in the battle. This is just the real Christian life, okay? If you're trusting Jesus and battling sin, I've got the best news in the world for you. This will never happen to you. Never. Impossible. And and here's why. Here's why. It's because the fact that you're trusting Jesus and battling sin, that is a supernatural work from God. You did not come up with that on your own. God started a good work in you, and he promises that the good work he started, he will complete. And you know where that is? Philippians 1.6. You should all have this verse memorized. This gives such assurance. So this will never happen to you. Because if you're trusting Jesus and battling sin, that shows you have been saved. God started a good work in you. And if he started a good work in you, he will continue it. He will not let you turn from Christ and go on sinning deliberately. He will not let that happen. So you can look ahead to your future. Not because of how strong you think you are. You can look ahead to your future because of how strong he promises to be and you can know for certain sure because you're trusting Jesus now and battling sin now shows you've been saved, that good work, he's going to continue no matter what the temptation out there, no matter what the trial out there, no matter what the difficulties, the sicknesses, the hardships, the difficulties, he will keep you persevering in faith all the way to the end. You'll be in heaven with all the redeemed, worshiping Jesus Christ for sure. So important that you get this. So if y'all got this now, did you hear this? Are you you sure? A couple of you are sure. The rest of you, are you sure? Okay. Okay. So if you're battling, if you're trusting Jesus, battling sin, you don't need to have any fear about this passage at all. But if you're not battling sin, if you are going on sinning deliberately, you need to fear. You need to fear. Sobering passage. Severe punishment is is being described here. And, and why, why such a severe punishment? Why? That's the next question I wanted to raise. Why? And to help us see why this punishment is, is so severe, why it's just, why it's right, the author gives us three pictures in verse 29. Read that again. Here's why. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one, here's the first picture, who has spurned. Now, literally, that word means trampled 
underfoot, stomped on. First picture, who has spurned, trampled underfoot, stomped on the Son of God. And, second picture, has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. And, third picture, has outraged the spirit of grace. So think about it like this. To save us, God took a step which displayed such love, such costly love on his part, such sacrificial love on his part, such intense, shocking love on his part. Amazing display of love that God has shown us. It's almost frightening how loving God has been in saving us because he loved us so much that he sent his son, his son, to be punished in our place. His beloved son, who is the radiance of God's glory, we read in Hebrews chapter 1, in the exact representation of God's nature. The father loves his son. God loves his son. He loves his son. And the only reason we can be forgiven for our sins is because the one hanging on the cross was God's son. The one punished on the cross by the father was God's son. We should love God's son. Do you love God's son for what he's done? But if we go on sinning deliberately, then here's the first picture. We are spurning the son of God. We are trampling underfoot the son of God. We are stomping on the son of God. God loves his son. Loves his his only beloved son. The only beloved son. He loves his son. He loves Jesus. The father loves Jesus. And the father sent Jesus to be nailed to a cross so we could be forgiven for our sin. And if we know that, if we hear that that's what the father has done, who loved his son so much that he would punish his son on the cross so we could be forgiven, if we have that knowledge of the truth, if we hear that, And we respond to that by going on deliberately in sin? It's like we're tearing Jesus off the cross, throwing his body on the ground, and stomping on him. You do not want to do that. You do not want to do that. It's the first picture. Second picture. As Jesus, the Son of God, died, he shed his own blood for us. His blood is the blood of the covenant, blood of God's covenant by which our hearts can be changed. And we can be freed from sin progressively in this life and finally in the life to come. The blood of the covenant. Listen, there's nothing more hateful than sin, nothing more deadly than sin, 
Nothing more ugly than sin. Nothing more dangerous to you than your sin. And the blood of the covenant cleanses us from sin, progressively frees us from sin, will finally set us entirely free from sin. We should love the blood of the covenant. Do you love Jesus shed blood, freeing me from sin? Yes! But if we hear that, if we receive that knowledge of the truth, and go on deliberately in sin, go on willfully in sin, we're profaning the blood of the covenant. We're mocking it, spitting upon it, desecrating it. You do not want to do that. You do not want to do that. Last picture. Because Jesus died on the cross, the Son of God, because of his blood of the covenant, which forgives us and frees us from sin, God the Father gives us the most infinitely precious gift in the universe. The Spirit of grace. The precious Holy Spirit. God gives you the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. He makes God's grace real and felt and experienced in our lives. So it's by the spirit of grace that we receive help. It's by the spirit of grace that this last week you've been comforted. It's by the spirit of grace that you've been enabled to pray. It's by the spirit of grace that Amanda was led to pray for her neighbor. It's by the, the spirit of grace that God stirred Phil to pray and get time with God before he does his studies. It's by the spirit of grace that, that you're strengthened. It's by the spirit of grace that living waters poured into your heart and your heart thirst are satisfied. Precious, precious spirit of grace. Love the spirit of grace. Do you love the spirit of grace? What a gift. What a gift. But if we go on sinning willfully, here's the third picture. We, we outrage the spirit of grace. Out, outrage him. So see, the Holy Spirit loves Jesus. The Holy Spirit's whole ministry is to glorify Jesus, magnify Jesus, honor Jesus. And so if we trample underfoot the Son of God, if we profane the blood of the covenant, we outrage the Spirit of grace. He's outraged. He is furious. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So see, there's those three pictures. That's why it's right. It is, it is so right for God to punish forever those who go on sinning deliberately. Now again, remember the distinction here. If you are trusting Jesus and fighting sin, not that you're sinless, we are not until the life to come, but you're trusting Jesus and you're battling sin, you're saying, help me, Lord, then this is not you. This is not you, okay? And you have no reason to fear that you're going to face this judgment because the good work God has started, he will continue. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. These people received the knowledge of the truth, verse 26. It's a good question. But remember in the parable of the four soils, four different soils, three of them received the word, right? And of those three, only one of them received the word in the depth of their heart and they were born again. There's a way you can receive the word shallowly and not be saved. And so these people who go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
it's not that they were saved and then God like dropped the ball and they ended up not being saved. They were never saved to begin with. The way you can tell you're saved is because you're, you're trusting Jesus. You're looking to Jesus Christ. You're trusting him as your savior, trusting him as your Lord, trusting him as your treasure. And that faith is expressed in, in fighting against sin. So, here's these three pictures. Spurning, trampling underfoot, stomping on the Son of God. Profaning the blood of the covenant, spitting, desecrating, mocking the blood of the covenant. Outraging, enraging the Spirit of grace. So here's the question. Let's say that you have been, are, going on sinning deliberately. Okay? You, you know in your heart that's, that's the truth. You're going on sinning deliberately. You, you have trampled underfoot the Son of God. You have profaned the blood of the covenant. You have outraged the Spirit of grace. Now, let's say... This morning, you fall on your face before Jesus and say, I'm sorry. Help me. Forgive me. Change me. What will happen? What will happen? The one you have trampled upon and stomped on will love you. He will forgive you. He will embrace you. He will. The blood of the covenant you've profaned will wash you, cleanse you, change you. And the spirit of grace you've enraged will fill you and comfort you and empower and satisfy you. If you will bend the knee before Jesus this morning, I'm sorry. I trust you. Help me. That's what will happen. Let's pray. This could be an, an eternity-changing moment, Father, for men and women, young people here today. Not because of anything I've said, but because of this, your word. And so, Lord, please, right now, please, I plead with you. Change hearts right now. Breakthrough justifications. Breakthrough rationalizations, breakthrough stubbornness and rebelliousness and willfulness. Change hearts right now. So I want to call you right now in, in your heart. I want to call you right now. Confess to Jesus what you've been doing. Tell him you are sorry for trampling him underfoot and for profaning the blood of the covenant 
and for enraging the spirit of grace. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to help you. Ask him to change you. And he will. He will. He will. Just like the story of the prodigal son, the father, when he sees the son off in the distance, is running towards him. It's a waterfall of grace. It's it's a waterfall of grace. So do that right now in the quietness of your heart. Pray right now. Come, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Bring your power. Bring your power, Lord. This is you. I'd like you to come up here and, 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 and we want to pray for you. Let's all stand, and, but I want to invite to come forward. This is the morning you're saying, I fresh start, fresh beginning. I also want to have people come forward who uh, God's burdening you this morning for someone else. We want to pray with you for that person. So why don't you come on up as well. Let's have the home group, whoever, whichever home group is praying for people this morning, why don't you guys come on up. I'm going to pray. So if this morning you're seeing I've got willful, I've been going on sinning deliberately, and I want to, I want to stop that. Come on up. Pray. If you've got somebody in your life that you're burdened for, that you want us to pray with you about, we'd love to pray. So come on up. Don't be bashful. We love you. We're for you. We're all family here. Crucial moment. Crucial morning. Let's pray. Amazing grace. How can it be? that thou, my God, should die for me. Amazing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, I pray that no one would leave here this morning continuing in deliberate sin. I pray that you would give us grace and wisdom for how we can love and help maybe some that we know who are. So meet us, Lord, I pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.